This podcast is brought to you by Lacrosse All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Know The Game podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Conwell, analyst and NCAA editor at Lax All-Stars. I'm very excited to bring this interview to you because this week we have Artie West of Charm City Lacrosse. We met with Artie back in January at LaxCon on the heels of a ton of talk about diversity in lacrosse. When people talk about diversity in lacrosse, organizations like Charm City are often brought up as shining examples of how we're doing the right thing. As the executive director of Charm City and a former Division I player herself, Artie is in a great position to tell us what it's like to be on the other side of that conversation. She explains what is really important to her and her organization, and it should really help help give you a few things to think about. I hope you find this discussion informative, interesting, and that it gives you a reason to go and support Charm City Lacrosse however you can. It's a great organization that is really making a difference in a ton of kids' lives. I think you'll hear some great stories about some excellent things that they've been doing. But before we bring you Artie, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Summit Lacrosse Ventures. Summit Lacrosse Ventures holds camps and tournaments all over the U.S. serving players of all ages and genders. They are most well known for their Placid Summit Classic held each summer in beautiful Lake Placid, New York, but they offer so much more. See if there's an event near you or find one to make a trip for at summitlacrosseventures.com. Now, without further ado, we bring you Artie West of Charm City Lacrosse. All right, so this week we are here with Artie West of Charm City Lacrosse here in Baltimore. This is another one of our interviews that we got while we were down at LaxCon, the lacrosse convention. So once again, you know, it's a little bit more background noise than we might like, but that's how it goes. So welcome to the show, Artie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, just give everyone a quick background who you are, how are you in the position that you are, then we'll start going to some more specifics of, you know, the organization you're with, what you do there, branching out from there. Yeah, so I uh, started playing lacrosse at seven here in the Baltimore area, started playing in Parkville, the rec, and um, just kept playing, loved the sport, and really thrived at it, Um, continued to play in high school, and had some great achievements there, and then went on and played at college, and I played at Towson University, and um, had some great opportunities to play there, and um, then it kind of it manifested into its own where you just kind of keep going. Someone asks you, hey, you want to coach? And then you start coaching. And then, hey, you want to ref? And you start refing. Um, and then you look back, and it's 12 years later. And now I'm over at Charm City Youth Lacrosse. All right. Excellent. So what is it that you actually do with Charm City? So what is your role? And you know, some what are some of your day-to-day responsibilities as well as, like, what's the overall goal of your position? Um, so I am the executive director. And so I make everything magical happen at Charm City Youth Lacrosse. <laughs> um, no, um, I, you know, we're a very small nonprofit. Um, so we're about two to three people staffed. Um, and so that that leaves me to do a lot of the grunt work and the core work from going down and making sure there's goals on the field to the writing the grants to make sure that we have money to be able to do the programming that we provide. Um, and so that's a vast amount of different things throughout the day and throughout the week. Um, we serve over 700 boys and girls in our program. So there's a lot of different um, day-to-day tasks that have to be completed to be, do the things that we do. And seven to 800 kids, what ages does that cover? So we go five to 14. 
Okay. And then we just recently opened it up to high school this year. So our first year running high school program for our boys. Um, we had about um, 30 boys come out for our high school team this year. So that leaves us to have up to 12th grade. Um, and so we're really excited about having the opportunity to get boys who have the experience and who are playing in local high schools in Baltimore City um, to expand the game within the, the high school region so that we can get more schools here in Baltimore City having lacrosse. And that's one of the questions I was curious about when you um, a lot of programs, you know, whether they're in a city or not, do stop at the high school level. And it does create a gap where, you know, a kid might fall in love with the sport and then they don't have that next level short of club teams, which, you know, lots of people look at that and instantly that teams turns into a dollar sign S at the end of it because that could be a lot of money go along with it. Um, when you decided to start doing that high school, how many of the, the communities where your players were coming from had high school teams already? And also, um, how much of a push was it from the players and families to say, can we keep going? Yeah, I mean, that was that was the biggest thing. That's what striked us into doing it. We Our, our U15 team aged out, um, and we knew that the gap, some of them were going to be able to go to a high school that had lacrosse. We knew some of them weren't. So, you know, you never want to deter a, a student away from the game. You also make sure you keep these young men engaged in, in some type of way. And, again, we do more than just lacrosse um, with Charm City. So the biggest thing was for us to be able to make sure that we can keep them engaged. Um, so that was pretty much the spark to, to open. It was a kind of a no-brainer. Um, and so the boys wanted it. They were just getting at their peak of skill level, um, and we were just exposing them to tournament play and so many different things that the game has to offer. Um, and so we opened it up, and it was the, the feedback and the, the, the interest was just astronomical. We were not expecting that because it is not desert land, but there are a lot of schools here that don't have lacrosse. So we knew that, you know, that football kind of takes precedence sometimes to high school students, and they maybe want to concentrate on that. So, and then opening it up as a fall sport to some of them was also going to a little nerve wracking for us because, again, football is kind of takes precedent over a lot of them as athletes. And so, to see these young men make the commitment to be able to play high school football and still be making it to practice to enhance their lacrosse skills really showed us that this is something they're really enjoying, and we really need to keep this going. Is there's there's a pretty big commitment level there if you're pulling a second sport while you're in season in high school for another one. I mean. Though that schedule itself tends to be dominating. Yes, very much so. So we were very impressed um, with what they were able to do this season. So it was great. Now, you, you talk about adding in a fall season. What is your calendar like as you go through the different seasons? Um, what gaps are there? Um, you know, when is it just like a clinic sort of thing? Uh, do you have outdoor space, indoor space? You know, what, what is the, the year of Charm City Lacrosse look like? Yeah, so when I first came on um, three years ago, we were just basically running spring programming. So just clinic-based on Saturday mornings, um, and it was it was very novice. Um, and we still run that programming, and it's, it, it's crucial to our success as, as to who we are. But I, I realized, again, the gap. We were introducing the sport drinking the Kool-Aid, the kids were enjoying it, the parents are enjoying it, we introduced a little bit of tournament play, so they really get to see what the game really looks like outside of the clinic play, and so I said, we need to keep feeding this fuel and, and giving them more lacrosse, so we added a winter session, um, so we went inside, and we were doing still sk skills training and, and things like that, bringing in colleges and, and pros to come in and, and teach our kids so that they were getting the opportunity to see other faces besides just our main coaches, and then we added the fall component last year, and it was, it was great, and this year we added as a travel program um so it's strictly just skill set 
learning the game um, at a higher level and then executing on the field in some tournament play. Um, and so this was our first year doing that and it was widely successful. We had over 130 boys come out just for the fall, which was great. And that was U9, U11, U13, and U15 and then and then our high school program. Um, and, and our indoor session is really just, again, we, we noticed that there was a gap in the kids kind of keeping their hands on the stick and it was it was a little, they were being a little rusty not even that but when we went from spring to spring we were losing six months where we weren't in, in, engaging with our parents and so we were losing those students to come back to play from spring to spring people change phone numbers they, they move or things that add, uh, email addresses change and so every year we were like starting a new list of, of participants and so we're saying well what happened to our old participants we just had 120 kids and now we're back to 69 and we're building that number up again and so by not really having a gap in programming, it allows us to really be hands-on with our parents and really engage. And I have to say within the last year and a half, our program has really transformed into more of a family, community-knit type organization where it has like that club feel as, as where you know, the parents are all hanging out on the field and off the field. The kids are engaging and, and, and doing stuff together. But we don't have the 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 rigorous schedule we don't have the commitment level of if you don't come you don't play we don't have the the fee that comes along with being a club but we're giving that club experience to our players so it's really something magical to see because um some of the kids who do play club are feeling as though well now i don't have to pay all this money i can just come play with charm city and even get more better coaching and and be with kids who look and look like me um and that's something that um doesn't happen very often for a lot of our athletes and so it's really something really cool that we're providing now you, you kind of talk about building a community what does um a season look like at, at what age I, i'm sure it changes with ages but is it completely internal like a house sort of team where you have a handful of teams that play each other um and of course that's different from the travel component where you're going to play other groups so you know what is that dynamic like so we, we've kind of changed over the course as, again, as the sport grows, you have to grow with the sport. Um, and as, as lacrosse just has so many legs now, it just you could go so many ways with it. And so we're kind of going off of base what the, what the kids want and what experiences they want to have. So the, we have our novice program, as I call, and we have a varsity program. Um, and our novice is um, intramural clinic-based. Um, so that's all right, four- and five-year-olds up to 14-, 15-year-olds. Um, no experience necessary. We provide all the equipment. The kids actually leave the equipment so that they're able to just come and pick it up. That way no one's ever not prepared to be able to participate. Right. Um, we have, we, we're lucky to have a whole park pretty much where we have over like eight fields that we get to utilize in the morning, which is just fantastic. And so and that does also does another thing, too. Again, that gives that community base where if you have two kids, you don't feel like you have to concentrate on one field or you're running around town. Everything is centralized. It's right there. You can look at one field and see your son play on that field and look over there and see your daughter play in that other field. Um, and so that usually has about 300-plus students on any given Saturday. We get volunteers from the community to come down and participate. We actually have local high school students from a lot of the private schools in the area, um, Gilman, McDonough, Boys Latin, Cowher Hall. They all come down and volunteer. It gives them an opportunity to give back. Also, a lot of them get their student service learning hours. And then we just have some kids who come one season and love it so much, they do it all four years, which is just fantastic. And they build these wonderful relationships with these kids. Um, and so, and we end it with a guest, a different guest speaker from the community. Um, sometimes they're um, influential. Sometimes they're just someone who's actually played a sport. Um, sometimes they are lacrosse related. If we get lucky, um, and then we give them a free, a free healthy snack. So we usually give them an apple and some Chex Mix and, and water. And um, it's it's a great 
two hours of awesomeness. <laughs> um, and so that's we run that about 10 weeks in the spring. And so it's it's really great. And we just enhance on those those skill set levels and just giving those kids the introductory to lacrosse. And then we offer the varsity level for those who've participated two or three years within our program. And our varsity program has really kicked off um, with really seeing some elite athletes come through our door. We're really excited to have them. And um, that we play in the Mila League, which is the Maryland Youth Lacrosse Association. Um, and that's pretty much what everyone hears about the MLC and the Lutherville and the Towson Towns. Uh, we play all those different teams. And it gives us a chance and our players a chance to compete and see where they really fall in line um, with those who else are playing lacrosse in the, in the community. And it also gives us a voice that, hey, um, there is diversity in the sport and, and we're playing and we're playing at elite level as well. Um, and so we field about five teams, um, a U9, a U11, a U13, a U15 in that program. And we also have two girls teams that compete as well. And that team practices twice a week during the week and play Saturday. So this is a little bit of more of a commitment level from our families. Um, there's a transportation piece that's required with that. So it's a little bit more, but again, that that whole program has come into a family for those kids who maybe don't have transportation, making sure that they can get to practices, making sure they can get to games and stuff. And so it's been really impactful to see how all these families from different cultural backgrounds, ethnicities, and, and different economical backgrounds come together, play, and really help support each other to, to make this very successful. And so we've, we've had a great experience doing that as well. And you talk about working with some of the prep schools in the area. Have you had any players that wind up getting recruited by them? So I know that that's a whole different aspect that can change quite a bit for them as well has has that been something that has a, happened in the program yeah so we work heavily with a lot of the schools boys latin um and friends are kind of our our, our top schools where we have student athletes um enter into their into their schools be through charm city but also as a, a student athlete um so we have a couple sixth graders that are currently there and we have a, a, a handful of students that are currently going through the process so um this is probably our first year having over 13 um, boys applying to numerous prep schools in the area um, and I believe majority of them will get in um, so I'm very very excited to see them kind of go through this this line of, of playing lacrosse and also being a part of a different community um, and and get an opportunity to kind of push the envelope with what their what their capabilities are and I know they're all capable of doing having great success at all these schools um, but we 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 really cherish those relationships because, again, like I said, it opens the door for those coaches to be able to see some new talent, to be able to see someone else that they can maybe help out. We take it as a, an tremendous opportunity for us to get these students into a different educational opportunity. Um, so most of these students go to Baltimore City Schools, and um, we all know that you know you can achieve a better education at a, a, a prep school, but a lot of the parents don't know the process to do this, and so it, and it's a very tedious process, and there's a financial component that comes along with it, and so being able to help our parents navigate and, and help them get these get these students into these schools, we don't guarantee that they can get in, and we don't use the word scholarship, but um, or recruiting, but we we have the kids attend some of their camps in the summer and things of that nature to bridge that that community, so that if they are to enter that school, they've made some com- some connections with some student athletes who already attend so if they do go to the school they don't feel isolated they don't feel like they don't know anyone or never even been on campus a lot of them have been on campus three or four years and then they're in sixth grade I you know I hear coach Hardy, you know I'm going to boys latin oh that's wonderful because they feel comfortable there now because they've been a part of that community so it's really great to be able to do that with a lot of the schools in the, in the area and and integrate those two um two components now, something that is is related to that, which happens a lot in the lacrosse world, is 
You know, there's the whole early recruiting thing, and lacrosse is a means to college, and lacrosse and college go together. One and you know, they're, they're the same thing in most people's minds. You know, that's how the prep schools come into play. Like, they get linked so much. What is that conversation like within Charm City? So, like, does college and does college recruiting and college admissions come into play a lot with the parents you talk to, with the students that, you know, they'll they'll be online and see, you know, some of the stuff on the lacrosse side. Like, how does this come up and where does it fall within people's priorities? Um, so it's interesting, you know, um, being that I am African-American and being that I have played at the, at the collegiate level, um, it, it's come up more than I think it has in the past because, one, the parents know it's accessible to their students and again through the program that we're providing and the opportunities and the doors that we're opening for their for their children they're seeing the light more and more as we're breaking that envelope um and so and that's part of my job is to let them know that this is a, a mean like you said a means to an end for for you to be able to afford college i mean that's that's basically what athletics are a way for you to achieve to be able to get a free education or a partial education or whatever you can get your, your foot in the door. And that's basically what lacrosse is. I mean, we all know as much as we would like it to, lacrosse is not really paying, paying our bills. Right. And um, we're, we have not broke that glass ceiling of where, you know, we have these athletes who are making millions and millions of dollars. But what I preach to my students and to my parents is this is a way and a sport that is looking for diversity, that is looking for opportunities to get young women and young men on the field. Um, and it's a way for you and your your son and daughter to be able to get into college, get into a prep school. The the opportunities are en- are actually endless into how the sport can propel you into a, a better situation. And so we talk about it a lot. Um, we haven't had our first like kind of class yet to kind of achieve that. We're work our eighth grade class is going to probably be our first class of trying to go through the pep prep school process and then eventually the, the college process. Um, but um, we're excited to see these 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 form this formulate into something bigger and hopefully. Will it maybe in three years you and I will be talking and we'll be talking about one of our student athletes who's going to play lacrosse at the collegiate. Now, mentioning diversity, that's something that has come up. Um, there, It's been a discussion this weekend during the lacrosse convention for sure because there's also been some, I'm not even going to say bad, like pretty horrendous examples of lack of education i think would be the nice way of saying it but um you know there there's serious issues in the lacrosse world but you know it it's not just focused on lacrosse either there's society problems too um so one of the things you see is brought up a lot is when somebody says lacrosse needs to work on diversity they look at charm city they look at metro lacrosse they look at um Harlem lacrosse. They look at Denver. They, you know, there's several programs around the country that are focusing on this in the cities. You know, in, in your major East Coast cities in Denver. Um, but do you think that really is getting to the actual answer of addressing or discussing diversity the way that it should be? No. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. I've been sitting on a couple panels this weekend and, and we're talking about diversity and, you know, everyone has their opinions and their thoughts and everyone's sharing great, great ideas and, and things are being circulated and we all keep talking about it has to be a conversation and with conversation comes action. But the one thing that's really been heartbreaking to me is no one is talking about women and diversity in the game of lacrosse. I've never heard anyone or rarely hear someone say, oh, well, we need to get more women playing. 
that's a minority in itself. Yep. Um, and then not even hearing, let's get more African-American women or let's get more Latino women or let's get, you know, where is it? Where is the Iroquois Women's National Team? Because it yep. does exist. And, and, and I do I do actually like that point. I'll cut you off for a second. I'll let you continue. But um, it, I see it all the time, especially at the college level, because there are so many people saying, Division One lacrosse needs to get out west. You know, can you imagine SEC schools and Pac-10 schools or Pac-12, whatever they are right now? You know, can you imagine them with Division One lacrosse? And then everybody that knows about women's lacrosse is just like Florida and USC are pretty big forces right now in the women's game. They're, they're there. I mean, the, the women's game is doing so much that just seems to be happening in a vacuum as well. That. People are not acknowledging and really promoting the way that they should. Yeah, I mean, the women's game is, is tremendous, and um, there's tre- there, it's sad because there is tremendous support behind the women's game. I mean, this year we just launched two, not one, two professional women's programs and um, leagues, and that's that's phenomenal, and that's that's testament to say there's enough women to do that um playing the sport at a high level um but you know i went to the women's games recently and the i was definitely saddened that again there's no one of color and so it's hard for me as a program leader of a of a, of a program that's preaching diversity to take my student athletes to something like that especially girls who i'm trying to push the sport to um the biggest thing the first thing they're saying is well i don't see anyone that looks like me um so you know when we talk about this my platform is really on the women's game and how can i push the movement to get more um, ethnicity within the game and and make sure that not only are we pushing diversity but the biggest word i keep using this weekend too is inclusion so we can say you know in my eyes i think the, the sport is very diversified from since when i first started playing i was the only little brown thing coming either way for a very 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 long time so when i look at the sport now i'm very um impressed and happy with what i see within reason um but i also am saddened when i look at the fact that um a lot of the students and and from the division one level college level and then even high school middle school they don't feel included in the sport right they don't feel accepted in the sport they don't feel as though they should be there um that's one of the biggest things that we have an issue with when people say well you know i don't understand why it's so hard to get kids to play i mean you're, you're doing a free program well they don't feel like the program's for them they don't feel like the sport is for them there's nothing about the sport that makes them feel as though it's for them or includes them or they should be comfortable playing this sport um every every time you look at a poster there's no one like them on the poster when you look at what the sport slogans and, ter- and terminology and language and and how we talk about lax bros and things like that that's not what these students are referring themselves to as so they're just not seeing the connection when they step on the field and they start playing that's a whole nother story but that takes us as program leaders a lot of convincing a lot of small time clinics um getting getting more clinicians who are african-american down there so they can feel more comfortable you know by by being examples um coaching so you know, that's something that we have done differently, too, over the last couple of years, and it's changed our program drastically, is um, getting more clinicians and coaches who look like our players down there so that um, when the students are out there on the field, they feel as though, hey, this is, this, is a, this is someone who is me. This is someone who's led the pathway for me, and I can follow in their footsteps or go beyond those footsteps. But really for diversity and inclusion right now with me is where is the women's game? Where is it going? How can we get it there? And how can I and others like me get not only more African-American girls playing at the youth level, but at the college level, and then now definitely at the pro level. Now, you mentioned the the look-like-me 
aspect, which is brought up a lot, and I think a lot of people don't quite understand the value of that. When I say people don't understand it, it's generally, you know, especially within the white sports community, um, especially the white lacrosse community, it, it's one of those things that's taken for granted, so you never have to think about it. So why does the ability to see players, see coaches that do look like you, you know, as, as you say, why does that matter so much to young athletes in wanting to play a sport and wanting to stick with a sport? Uh, I think it matters because you want to feel a connection, I mean, with anything. I mean, um, you know, I was coached by, by males my whole career, and the first time I was coached by a woman, I was like, wow, this is what this feels like. I feel like it opens up a whole new channel of what you can say, comfortability, um, and and just verbiage and language. There's a lot of things that I might be white say in front of um, African-American players that I might not say in front of you, um, even terminology. So, um, and then it's just feeling as though you have someone's support. You have my back. You know, you understand what I'm going through. And then you even understand my style of play. I really have to say that as African-Americans, um, you know, we, we play differently. You know, we have speed. We have agility that changes in the game. And I, you know, um, I've seen some people hint towards that. Well, I like when coach so-and-so coaches me because he lets me play the way I want to play. When I go play for my other coach, he doesn't let me do X, Y, and Z. And I've heard some players say that. Um, and that's another thing. We've had some players leave their club teams to come play for Charm City just because of the fact that I'm being coached by an African-American coach and he lets me play the way I'm comfortable playing. So that actually brings up an interesting point. I don't know um, how much you ever listened to uh, Dr. Fred Opie's podcast he had one i forgot who the guest is and i'm kind of ashamed for forgetting that right now but one of the things that they were talking about was and they had seen it with both of their their daughters programs is that whenever there's an african-american player on the team they tend to be thrown into defense is is that the type of example you're talking about of you know all right yeah you're you're faster than everyone on the team you're gonna be a great d midi yeah um, so my girlfriends and I, who majority of us are ex-Division One lacrosse players and still involved in, this is a heavy conversation that we have, and we had it when we were in college. It happened to me. It happened actually to every one of my friends I know that's African-American. Um, and it's sad because I was a phenomenal midi. Phenomenal. Um, that's why you, and I always ask, but that's why you recruited me. If I was good enough to play midi and you recruited me, why? Okay. But um, <laughs> I regress. Um, and, and so I'll never forget this. I had a college coach tell me, um, I want to see you walk around campus with your stick in your hand because you need to work on your stick skills. And so the issue is, um, it's so funny because Alex Austin and I were just talking about this the other day. And um, the issue is that, you know, there's no specific, you know, you see specific camps and clinics, based off midi cl- clinics, defense clinics. It would be great, and I don't think anyone ever thought about this, having a clinic where you are literally attracting African-American girls and teaching them six skills because the issue is it's not that we don't want to have good six skills it's the fact that when you start in sixth grade or seventh grade or eighth grade or even ninth grade and you are the fastest player in the field you don't need six skills you're running past everyone so why do you need six skills and yes eventually as the old saying says eventually someone's going to catch up to you and you got to and and that does happen when you get to the division one level you will find some girls who are just as fast as you or or made ways to learn how to catch up with you and so then it starts to not work out so well for you but no one's ever thought to think well why are they not getting getting this what what can we do to help infiltrate and facilitate this so that there isn't that big discrepancy and i think what really kind of started to break open that barrier was when taylor thornton went from a defender to a midi and was put on the Tatarotin list. And that was, you know, a big thing for 
women's lacrosse and for women, African-American women that are playing lacrosse. And then you kind of start to see a little bit of shift of coaches starting to feel comfortable putting their defenders and in the midfield and then you start to see oh wow god they can shoot oh my well they can pass the ball real across the field and um oh she can dodge through two or three people and again seeing some of the skill sets that again weren't asked to be enhanced or asked to be put to, to, to test because you're just throwing us on midfield all we gotta do is throw the ball to Susie, and Susie's just running all the way down to the field and we're we're we're, we're good we're golden um so you hit it right on the head that that is a topic that I know some of us have had the conversation about. It's been a very hush-hush topic, but it definitely is something that I know I work with the Charm City girls on stick skills because I want to propel them to not only be looked at as a defender. Now, uh, part of why you say it's kind of a hush-hush topic is it because it also kind of translates into some of the <laughs> unconscious biases that people tend to have with race. Um, and again, it's, I don't think you would ever find a coach that would admit to making a decision like that consciously at all. But I think, um, see, seeing things like that happen outside the lacrosse world. I mean, you know, you can pick, pick up a newspaper at any point and you're going to find this topic set in different examples, different people, different places, but the same sort of thing is brought up with unconscious bias of pointing people to different positions. I mean, it's, you know, if somebody shows up to a lacrosse practice and they're six foot six and are the strongest person on the team, fastest person on the team, they're probably going to become a defender. It's just the way things go. Um, and I think it's just sort of an exaggerated version of that. There, it's just like, yeah, yeah. I actually think you'd be really good at defense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's so, I mean, we, we've had these conversations on diversity and inclusion here at the conference, and um, that's one of the main things to talk about is the is that I don't really think that there's people walking around who are just downright racist. I think it's again the unknowingness of what you're saying and how that can be interpreted. And again, that's. There's a lot of reasons why that's happening. Um, it's it's people's exposure to to people. I mean, I know that um, in college, I know some of my teammates were very had limited limited exposure to African American um, lacrosse players or even female athletes. I mean, you think about the schools that some of these student athletes are attending; um, they might not see race for days or weeks or wherever they're coming from. Um, so, you know, we've really been talking about how do we do better on the teaching of getting our coaches more aware of, of what you're saying. And, and then not even what you're saying, but what are your teammates saying? What are your student-athletes saying? What are your other coaches saying? What are, what are the verbiage that you're using to around your student-athletes and when, ex, when talking about your student-athletes? And then, how again, how are you including this minority or these minorities on your team to make sure that they're being heard, seen, and, and taken care of, essentially? Um, because... You don't know what kind of background they've come from, and then you don't really know what kind of background your whole team has come from, and and that dynamic that's happening in the locker room and off the field, um, and and that's kind of really where coaches kind of turn a, a blind eye, unfortunately, um, is to what's happening after they leave my my presence. I can only control what I can see, right. and that's not true. Um, and so we talk about that, and, and the U.S. Lacrosse seems committed to really working on changing that narrative so that we're being conscientious of what actions we can do to, again, that word inclusion, to make sure that these student-athletes who are participating in this work, we're going to diversify and push diversity. We also need to make sure that we really know what that means and looks like and so that we're supporting these student-athletes as they're, you know, showing their love for the game. 
Now I'm curious, how much do you have to bring up with the athletes in your program that if they do continue on with the sport, they go and play in college, they go and play for you know prep school, chances are overwhelmingly that they're going to have the same sort of situation you did where they might be the only, not even just the only black player on the team, they might be the only non-white player on the team, like period. Um, and some of those, the language that people might use, again, not expressly derogatory, but it's it, it's more or less some tone deafness of some of the things people wind up saying. And I think that's an issue that's been coming up a lot more. Do you have to have those conversations with your students ahead of time of like, you know, this is kind of what's going to be happening in the future? Or like, how do you handle these? You know, is that something that comes up? Yeah, I mean, we um, outsource our players a lot to different type of teams, different type of um um, camps and clinics and things of that nature, you know, we want them to have the best experience and get that get the same exposure and experience that anyone else playing the game would get despite economic status. Um, and so when I do say I'm going to send you here or there, I do have to have that conversation with our players, especially more our younger players, um, because they are so so naive and they're just they're just out there loving the game and they think a friend is a friend and um and the sad part is unfortunately we have had instances more than i would like to say and count um and every time it just it's gut-riching to me because as a program director and these i look at these kids as my kids and so i don't want anything bad to happen to them i don't want any any anything to deter them from playing this sport. i just got them to play the sport and i don't want anything to keep them from loving the sport and um i know that there's good things to come from it so i don't want them to be tainted by one bad experience and so we do have those conversations with our parents we do have that conversation with our with our players very often our coaches do a great job of talking about sportsmanship and and how to carry ourselves in these in different venues and and i see the look on some of the parents faces and some of the players faces, especially when we go to a tournament and we're walking as a collective unit i mean it's a, it's a lot to take in <laughs> um and, and you see the faces of ourselves and you see the faces of others as we kind of groom on by and um you know, I, I brought up the other day, I think it's very interesting. It seems as though lacrosse as a community is okay with it being one. Oh, it's okay if it's one here, one there, two there, two where. I see the issue when it's a team. It's a plethora of us. When we're in, and we're in forces, it seems like that startles people a little bit. Um, and so we try to make sure our student-athletes are okay with, listen, you might get stares. You might get a name. You can't retaliate in the game. You have to You have to be the one to let the ref know, hey, the ref, this person's using language that's not acceptable. You let your coaches know. Um, let us be your advocators, and you maintain the, the grace of the sport. Right, and, and that's why I think it's important to have – people aware that conversations like that do happen because they're not happening on the other side of the field um so the teams that are coming in you know the coaches aren't saying all right you know we're, we're gonna be playing a group from charm city you need to be aware of these things they just say all right you know players are gonna do what they're gonna do you know they'll if something happens they'll deal with it afterwards uh and some of that is they are uncomfortable conversations that coaches really do not want to have. Parents don't do want to have them. Do you know what the sad part is? It's not the kids. Exactly. It always, every time we've had an altercation, it started, for the most part, it has started from a coach or a group of parents. And it's, it's really, really sad to see that because the biggest thing I preach to my parents is you are the leaders. 
Your kids are going to go off of what you do. So I'm expecting you to be the sportsmanship. The sportsmanship starts with you and yep. then trickles down to, this, to the players. Because if you as a parent are saying, come on, we're just going to go, your son or daughter is following suit after you. Right. Um, if you're just going to, if you're cheering on both, I always encourage our parents, cheer for both teams. What's wrong? There's no rule that says you can't cheer for the other team. Yep. There's no rule you can't if the if that's a good ground ball and everyone's a coming to you. A good play. A good play is a good play. <laughs> it's a good it's a good goal. Hey, you know you give props where props are due. Um, and the parents sometimes when I say that they're kind of like, I never thought of that. <laughs> but we're encouraging we're, we're encouraging young athletes to love a sport. Right. We're not encouraging winning. We're not encouraging losing. So what would be so bad about telling another team they did a good job? Yeah. And from there that starts a whole another avenue of different opportunities and just it makes it for a really well it makes for a good experience for the students for the coaches for the refs for the other team everyone's enjoying themselves and that's really what the game is about um and so we started trying to do that with some of our older teams um having the parents being very neutral and and cheering for other teams and other programs and it's gone over really really well and it's kind of alleviated a lot of that haze that comes over when we step foot in the field because the first thing you always hear the refs or the coaches or the other teams say well they're going to be hitting hard because you know they all play football you know they're going to be really fast so you got to get them get them low um and it's it's their coaches are already starting to just tear down our athletes before we even step foot in the field to even see our skill set and how we play and so it's already and then you know we get a lot of well we had to come all the way down to the city to play this game so you know what it's going to be like and that's the parents saying that in the car um and so that that's just what's a gloom on the field before the game has even started before the yep. whistle's even blown um and so we're really trying to alleviate that so it can really be just and we've been doing that great by we do a great job of working with fca and we do um scrimmages together and cookouts and, and things like that nature and it gives the students also to make friends with someone else on the other side that they might not normally be friends with um and so when you see someone else at a different venue or a different setting or you come to the lacrosse con it's hey how are you and that why we all get involved in the game to have these overlasting friendships and to have this exposure where we know from people from different towns and different cities and i mean that's kind of what this sport is all about and so we are trying to do that within our own community all right well before we wrap things up there's five other questions i'm going to ask i ask them of all of our guests um some of them are definitely going to relate to what we've already spoken about but um first thing is what is something funny from this week that's just making you laugh? Could be something totally stupid. My day is totally weird. I have a seven-week-old and a 16-month-old, so every day <laughs> I have to laugh from not crying. Um, <laughs> so I have to think about what happened this week that just made me um, made me giggle. I, I don't even know. I, every day is just full of laughter. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, when you're dealing with kids that, there, there's always something weird they do that just kids are kids. <laughs> my 16-month-old has is love with Thomas the train. And he's putting the Thomas trains on my on my seven-week-old head and rolls them down <laughs> his head. And I'm like, that's not where Thomas belongs. I like it. Um, how about something in the game that you think gets too much attention and it's just taking up the, the bandwidth of conversation? The recruitment wheel. I mean, it's just it's just bananas. I mean, um, I think it's great for the growth of the sport, um, but it's just it's literally the conversations bananas of um, it's it's, uh, it's sadly forcing students out of the game as well. I mean, I coached high school for over ten years, and 
uh, my last two seasons, I almost ha- didn't have enough girls to field a varsity and JV team that at, at, a, at a prominent school here in Baltimore, and that's never been an issue. And it's really just because they don't want to come out with the, the idea of, well, I'm not going to play in college, so why should I continue the sport? Right. Um, and that's not what the game is about. So it's really sad to see that that's where this game is going with, with the over-recruitment. Now, the other side of that, what is something you feel like isn't given the intention it should? Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, women in the sport. I mean, it's it's definitely – there's some really phenomenal women playing the sport. There's some women who, who have played the sport who are phenomenal, have great stories, and have done so much for the game. And I just want to see this game propel on the women's side as it has on the men's. All right. Now, the, this one is always a tough one. You were a – a uh, player, Division One level. You know, you've you've taken lacrosse pretty seriously. Full time job is now working in the lacrosse world. But when was the last time you watched a game for fun? Um, so I, I had to think about this, and it just rang a bell. The Albany UNC game last yep. year. Um, I turned it on, and uh, I actually really enjoyed watching that game. I watched it to the to the last to the last whistle. So were you um, cheering for one or the other, or were you doing your neutral fan thing? You know, I, I knew some kids that play on UNC, so I, I, I you know I was enjoy- but I wasn't. That's why I was enjoying the game. It was really good to just watch some really good competition over the last couple of years because of the talent that Albany's had. It's, I always enjoy watching their games. Um, I definitely try to catch one um, in live in town if I can, um, and. So, but that was just a really good overall lacrosse game. It, it came down to the wire, and um, those those games are always fun to watch. And I think uh, what you said before about the neutral fan idea, I think when you talk about watching a game for fun, that is the best way to do it. Um, for me, it was a game, Final Four game between Duke and Virginia in 2010, and that was one where I just sat back and enjoyed it. That was the third time playing each other that year. They hated each other. <laughs> you could tell. Um, and it was just a battle back and forth, and you just you cheered on the good plays, and it's just you sit back and enjoy the sport. And you don't have to cheer for one team over the other. And just sit back and enjoy. And that's why we're in the sport. We love it, right? I completely agree. It's very rare that I get to watch a game without having some connection to it, um, but you know, when you can catch a game that's just for just to see what what's happening on the level, and and then it's just for me again. I've been you said I've been in the sport for a long time, so I really do enjoy being able to just go as a neutral fan and just see the progression in the sport um, from where I've known it to be into where it is now. Um, and then my last one as a Towson alum, I <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed watching hey, Towson play T- this Towson season. Towson was a pretty good <laughs> had a pretty good season this year. Um, all right, last one. If you were somehow given $50 million, you know, it's a, quite a bit of money, um, not for personal use, but to do something for the sport in general. Um, it can be international, college, youth, it can fund programs. I mean, you could start a lacrosse company. You could do a lot of things with that sort of money. Um, where where would you spend it? Where would your priorities be? Um you know, for me, it's obviously giving back to what I'm already starting. And um, one of the biggest things is, is accessibility to, to field space and, and usage of being able to play the sport as, as often as possible. And so definitely creating some type of um, co-op space here in Baltimore where, you know, students could come and play, whether they're on a team or not on a team, um, where there's some type of wall, they can play wall ball and really get anyone, every program that's involved in Baltimore, a space to be able to use and really call our own and be able to run whatever type of programming we wanted and it, for it to be free um, would be great because that's one of the biggest um, loopholes that a lot of programs have in trying to get field space, but it has a fee associated with it. And the next thing would be, again, to just encompass some type of leadership, 
um, mentor program where we're really connecting some of the um, student athletes who are currently playing the game who represent diversity and get them back involved in, in what we're doing at the grassroots level and really have some synergy there. I think the biggest gap is in that happening around the country is that, I mean, we graduate from college, you have to get a job. You, you can't just be like, mom, it's going to be doing lacrosse stuff for the next 10 years. Um, and so some way that we can really help infiltrate that there's some type of buy-in program and that they can come and do that and obviously be paid and, and compensated for their time. But I think it'll be really really pinnacle to the to the growth of the game at the grassroots level to be able to get like we said to see those who've played and that play at the elite level give back and get involved and, and kind of be like a mentor for them so something along those lines would be great to do with that with that money all right well i appreciate your time very much i love those answers and um i wish you luck continuing to grow the sport uh grow charm city keep doing great things changing kids lives you know that's one of those things a lot of us would like to do it you're actually doing it so you know, keep you. up the good work it. thank you all right thank you